Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast, hosted by Aaron Fifield. Hey guys, what's happening? I'm your host, Aaron Fifield. Here we are, episode 63, and I have another brilliant and very experienced guest lined up for you this week. Her name is Nicola Duke, or at Nick Trades on Twitter. She's a professional swing trader from the UK, actively tracking 36 futures and Forex markets who takes a technical and systematic approach to trading. Some of the highlights from our conversation would include hearing about how Nicola's typical trading day used to start at 1.30am, learning that her mentor never showed her a single setup or gave her a single trade idea, the concept of preserving mental capital and insight to how she trades with a systematic approach. But really, that's just a teaser and we cover so much more during the interview. Now, you may also like to know Nicola is open to answering any questions you might have. So if there's something you'd like to ask, leave a comment at chatwithtraders.com forward slash 63. And the second link I need you to remember is chatwithtraders.com forward slash iTunes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave an iTunes review. It'll take you no more than two minutes and it helps more than you can imagine. So please do this just while you're listening go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash iTunes. Okay, team, here's this week's interview. You're listening to the Chat With Traders podcast. Here is my guest who I was thrilled to have the opportunity to speak with, Nicola Duke. Hey, Nicola, nice to be speaking with you. How's it going? Hi, Aaron. Really good. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks so much for coming on. There's so much I want to ask you about. Uh, Let's just get started. So if you could... Nicola, share with us how you first got into trading. Where did this all begin for you? When I was like a teenager, you know, my mom uh, bought some, gave me some money, and I could that I could buy stocks with. So I've always had a few stocks and shares, and you know, but I never really. I was an investor. I really wasn't a trader. Um, and then I was in the RAF, and then I was a civilian air traffic controller at Heathrow, and. I found out that they had conducted an experiment at Heathrow, a bank called Chemical Bank, had recruited a bunch of controllers and tried to teach them to be traders. 
and the only one that made it was the woman who did really, really well. And I was like, that was so awesome. If, if I had been there, then I would have been, it would have been me, you know. So I kind of had this little bug in my head and I kind of always wanted to do that, you know, but I just, I really didn't have anyone in my family or any role models or didn't know anybody who really who worked in the city. So I really had no one to like help me go in that direction um, when I was younger. And I think that's really important for people. So, um, you know, much later on, I was um, uh, running an air charter company in Toronto and uh, I met a guy <laughs> who wrote Victor Sperendio, uh, his book a trading book which is you know um technical analysis book and he said here I go straight this book you know have a copy I was like oh this is really cool and I was like holy cow I could do this so um I'd made a bit of money by then and I had some aside so I really just uh, you know instead of just investing I thought well I'll try trading you know FX I started it with FX like a lot of people do because you I don't know, you know, the marketing makes you think it's quite easy or whatever. So it wasn't. <laughs> but um, so I was still running my company and I would get up at two in the morning and trade the London Open um, and then, you know, do a full day's work. And I really didn't have much other life, you know, um, and not much sleep. I really got the bug big time um, to the point where a year later, um, I said, right, I'm going to sell my company and do this full time and move back to the UK. So, Excellent. Okay. Well, that's an awesome overview, Nicola. So, let's, let's pull this apart a little bit. I want to find out more and dive a little deeper. So, as you mentioned, you were an Air Force uh, traffic controller uh, for a couple of years there. Do you feel as though there were any skills from your job which perhaps were helpful as you started trading? Um, I think, you know, it's quite, e it's quite easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, I was really good at pat recognizing patterns and things moving. But I think that the major skill was, you know, it's very uncomfortable when you're an air traffic controller because you feel like the whole time, you know, your minutes, especially at a very busy airport, you're like minutes from disaster. And quite often that's that feeling that you have when you're trading, but you still have to make really good decisions and you still have to stick to your rules or your plan and not react to your gut or your or uncomfortableness you know and I suppose that that's probably the major skill because you know a lot of the time trading isn't comfortable or simple or makes you feel good until it stops usually so yeah and I think you kind of um, as we were speaking you know before we hit record you kind of mentioned it as you need to be almost like comfortable with being uncomfortable which I thought was um, a really interesting point you made so um, once you did decide you were going to put some money towards this and you were going to start trading um, you know put some money on the line and commit to it what was your very first year like were there any great successes or failures that you experienced? Yeah, you know, I joined a, a live trading room, which I found really helpful. And I learned so much from people. And, and I don't think, you know, people should trade alone or at least have a mentor. Um, and so that was really good. But, you know, my I blew my first real money. I, th I thought, you know, on demo, like everybody else, that I was the queen of trading, that I could do anything. And then as soon as, you know, I put some real money on the line, it was very, very different. And um, yeah, like I, I blew my first account, I think probably within a month. 
and I never did again. <laughs> I never blew another account up again. But um, I think everybody has to go through that <laughs> experience <laughs> to to learn <laughs> how it feels. So it wasn't really funny. And you know, at the end of my first year, you know, by then I, I got a mentor who really helped me w- with discipline, and. I got to the end of my first year about flat and he said, that's it, you're going to make it. He said, because most people don't get to the end of their first year flat, they lose much more. So I, w- I would say that's a good rule for people. If you can survive it without blowing up, you'll probably make it. So that was kind of like a milestone for you to get to the point where you'd, uh, you'd blown up past accounts and lost some money to actually getting to a point where you would just break even. Like that's a, that's a, you know, a considerable milestone to reach. Is that what you're, you're kind of saying then? Yeah, definitely was. So, so yeah, I blew up my first account, you know, within a month. And then I got to the end of my first year and I was flat. And he said, you know what, you're probably going to make it. You'll do all right. So, so what yeah. was So when you said you blew up an account, how much money are we talking there? Was it a significant amount or just a few thousand dollars? It was $10,000. So, you know, I, I felt it. <laughs> but, you know... Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was enough to go, okay, stop being silly and get, you know, wise up. Yeah. So when you went from, so when you went from, uh, trading on, on SIM to live trading, what were some of the challenges that you uh, perhaps weren't expecting? I really, I really thought, you know, I really thought, you know, I was older, wiser, I didn't need the money. So I really thought that the mistakes of like real money accounts and the, the thing that does to your head wouldn't happen to me. And it did happen to me anyway. And, I, and it happened to me. So even though I could afford to lose the money and it wasn't like the end of the world, it still messed with my head. So, and I learned that, um, and I learned with the help of a mentor, I learned an awful lot of, Skill so even that I still use today to minimize using mental capital. So I will be very careful timing an entry because I don't want to spend days and days offside in a position if it's a long term position. Um, I I will do everything to make myself feel more comfortable um, when I'm trading to minimize that feeling. So I still make good decisions. Uh, trading wise and he would make me do things like if I if I had a really bad day if I had a bad day or a losing day but I stuck to every one of my rules um I would I will go and do something really nice to cheer myself up like eat sushi have a pedicure you know be really nice to myself because I've if you stick to all your trading rules and you still lose money there's nothing you could have done that was that's just how it is but if you make a load of money (laughs) and you you break all your rules, you open a tin of beans and go to bed early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. No, that's that's excellent. Now, you've mentioned a mentor there a couple of times. How did you – I know a lot of people listening probably wish that they had someone who was like a mentor figure in their trading journey. How did you meet this person and, and what sort of ways did they, did they help you? I know you've mentioned discipline there, but – what was most beneficial about the experience of having a mentor? Um, I met him. He's actually a friend of Tom Dante's. I met him in a tra- on a trading forum. There was a, a small group of us that used to share ideas. And like any trading forum, no- nobody really knew who 
anybody else was you know it, we kept it there wasn't any chat or banter it was quite you know just market stuff and yeah he just um sent me a message one day and you know just gave me a bit of advice and I was like oh wow thanks so much and and it just kind of grew from there and um yeah I had no idea who he was and turns out you know he was a trader at a fund and he really helped me um he really helped me with things that you don't know about how the market works he really helped me with discipline and mental attitude like you know to literally get rid of all emotion from trading because it's got no place in it at all and to you know you don't go whoop whoop when you have a big winner and, and it's not the end of the world when you have a loser it's just another day at the coalface that's just how it is I suppose and, and I think new traders um, struggle with that or don't really you know sometimes they can I don't know I don't know maybe it's a male thing <laughs> sometimes there's a lot of testosterone around um, I'm quite introvert as well so you know, I could go to an office every day with a bunch of other people, but I'm, I don't do very well with people who shout and shout at the markets and screams when things aren't going well and that kind of thing. I like it's really quiet and cool. So, um, excellent. So, yeah. allows you to think straight. And he took, yeah, he taught me, uh, yeah, he, that is very important. Yeah. Yeah, he taught me a lot about preserving mental capital, sticking to rules, just, it's just another trade, doesn't matter you know, risk management, those kind of things. The important so, things. The really important things, yeah. And he told me I was trading the same setups. He never, ever gave me a single trade idea or taught me a setup. He literally only kicked me into shape mentally. But it made the difference between making money and not making money. It's really interesting, actually, how you know to hear that he never showed you a setup or showed you what to trade. Yeah, never showed me a single setup, never suggested a single market or a trade idea ever. Okay, it was it was all about helping me um, make my trading system better, which was really cool. So to continue on that, are there any tips or pointers that you might be able to? to share with listeners on how they could potentially find someone who could provide some sort of similar mentoring? I think that you need to join communities and, and, and meet like-minded people and who trade like you or um, who've been around and done it for a while. And I think if you show yourself to be sort of um, – really motivated and respectful that yeah somebody may well come along and help you you know I've helped a couple of people not full-time really I've really struggled I think like you know I feel like I've I you know I don't even like saying oh I've made it even though it feels like I should say that because I'm trading professionally but um I just feel like it's always one long journey even if you've been doing it for 15 and 20 years you're always learning you know, so, um, but yeah, that's, I, I think that really in, in communities of other traders, don't trade alone, trade, you know, trade with other people, join a trading room, a live trading room, you know, you will, there, there will always be people there who know more than you, who will help you and who will give you advice about other things that um, will help you. Because I've learned things from so many places and I suppose my strategy is a combination of so many different little things that I've learned that 
I put together, you know, and most people, when they start learning, they think, oh, there isn't that much to this. And then once you get going, you realize there's so much more, you know, you're always learning something, even if your strategy itself is really simple. So no doubt, no doubt. I agree with you a hundred percent on that one. Can you tell us a little bit more about your time living in Toronto? I mean, you briefly touched on it earlier, um, (laughs) but I really want listeners to hear this because I think it shows an incredible amount of determination and hustle, and it's probably going to put most of us to shame. Um, So so what was your time like living in Toronto? Because I know you were getting up extremely early to trade the markets. Like walk us through like your typical day. Oh yeah, no, I would get I would get up um sort of one one thirty, one forty five and I would start trading at the London Open, which was seven AM in London, two AM my time. And I would I would do that until um you know, uh sort of probably mid midday or late morning London time and then it would be wake up time. I would go out, walk my dogs, make something to eat, you know, and run my business through the day, take a look at the markets at lunchtime, I would stop, you know, for the US Open for an hour or two. And then, yeah, I I would literally walk my dogs again, (laughs) have something to eat, and I'd be in bed by 7, 6, 30. I literally had no social life at all for two years. So, but I was so determined that I could do this. And um, yeah, my, and my weekends, I would like, pour over charts and catch up business and do accounts and oh it was just it was worth it you know but it was really yeah it was two years of not very much sleep yeah no Um, I mean it's really impressive and it's obviously paying off now so yeah I mean props to you for that that's that's awesome um so when did you arrive at a point where you felt comfortable to leave the business behind and rely solely on your trading for income I think that I, um, you know, if I was waiting for that point where I felt comfortable, I would never have done it. So I really did um, take a bit of a leap of faith. I just felt like I had to do it. So um, I was, you know, making a small amount of money. Um, I was, yeah, I probably did it too soon, but that was okay. You know, I think you know, everybody's journey in the market has a few knocks and bumps that it's what keeps you um, from getting too full of yourself, I think. So um, I probably did it too soon, but I really wanted to. I was so passionate about the markets. And, you know, we got to, I'd been training for a couple of years and then 2008 happened and I just, I couldn't do both. And there was a lot of money to be made, you know, um, so I think I don't, you know, I'm not going to say oh, I only ever got profitable because of that, because I have been since then. But um, that was really, yeah, what um, did it for me, you know. Plus, in the when that happened, you know, people weren't lining up for air charter anymore. So I probably sold my business just in time, and uh, so that was kind of good decision, really. Great, great. Okay. Well, Nicola, let's talk a little bit more about how you're actually trading, you know, in today's market. So can you give us some insight to the type of trader you are today and how would you describe your approach to markets? Um, I'm pretty much a swing trader. I use Fibonacci patterns um, for support and resistance and to identify levels where I want to get involved with the market, either levels where I think the market will reverse or retrace back to where I can get an entry 
and I use, believe it or not, because people think it's old fashioned, I use um, lower time frame moving averages and a high Kanashi system to get me in and out. That's like a trigger for entry. Okay. So, so what markets do you mostly focus on? Like what markets are you most active in? And what's your average holding time for your swing trades? So I, um, I used to, you know, I learned FX and then I, for a couple of years, I just traded oil. Um, and now I look at probably, I look at 36 markets. So I look at, uh, and I don't trade them all every day. I just swing trade them. So nine stock indexes, you know, five bonds, copper, gold, silver, then the major FX and oil and then some agricultural, which scare me witless, the grains and stuff, but they're my best performing market on paper So at the moment. So you can't ignore that. Um, and I, yeah, I suppose I, in my, in my mind's eye, in my head, like I have a, I know what I'm looking for. So I'll scan through the weekly and daily charts and I'll identify what I think are the best opportunities or the ones I want to trade that week. And then I'll do that same thing on a daily basis. And then I probably look for hourly entries. I have held trades for mm, six weeks. My average trade is a couple of days. Lately, um, the last couple of months, um, my holding time has been much shorter just because of volatility. But I would say in 2015, um, yeah, I would try and hold trades for two or three weeks. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. So yeah. you've described to me off air uh, when we were talking beforehand that you were originally a complete discretionary trader, um, but today you take more of a systematic approach from, from what I understand. What led you in this direction? Um, I really think, in particularly in very volatile markets, that discretionary trading is very hard. It's you know very hard emotionally. Um, and so I found it easier to, you know, if you have um, a number of setups that you use, you can scan the markets and you can identify the ones you want to trade. I suppose my discretion now is limited to what I want to trade, but how I trade them now is pretty much is all rules based. So I know what I want to see for an entry trigger. I know what will get me out. I know what I need to see to move a stop, take profit. And, and so all of that now is systematic. Okay. And how did you discover that strategy that you trade or the, the few strategies you trade? Like, was there any quantitative analysis involved in that? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No. I did. Used to, I used to do a lot of backtesting. Yeah. I used to do a lot of backtesting. If I took this much profit here and did that, would that, what, what difference would that make? And, yeah, that was. I did a lot of that. Um, thanks to my mentor, so he was very big on that. Okay, and how were you doing the back testing? Like, was it just Excel spreadsheets, or did it involve Excel spreadsheets? Yeah. Okay, excellent. And how many strategies would you try and back test and that type of thing before you actually found something that was a viable trading strategy? It probably. Um, I probably that back then had. I think I had three or four strategies. And I probably only have two now. Okay. So I've narrowed them down. But I kind of, I suppose that I've used aspects of them in my 
rule application. So I will say, well, if that happens, then that's a no-no, you know, time to watch out for a reversal or that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So Excellent. Now, I don't expect you, obviously, to give away all your secrets, but can you share... <laughs> Can you share an example for some of the types of rules in your system? Yeah, I, I like, um, you know, I won't move a stop until it's made a new high or a low. So, because I like to give a market time to bounce around or um, I, that those kind of rules, um, I will look at closing prices. So, either hourly or daily relative to the moving averages that I follow. So a close below a 50 moving average will get me out always. Um, that that kind of thing um, I look at, yeah. Okay, and are there any time of day rules that you have incorporated in your strategy? Yeah, I definitely have time of day rules. I, w- I wouldn't, um, for example, you know, I'm talking to you in the evening, I wouldn't take a trade um, now unless it was an, an Asia market like... Um, you know, Japanese or Australian or I've got limits for the Hang Seng. I don't trade that very much, but yeah, I wouldn't, I don't trade. Um, I try to trade as close to the market open as possible if, if I have a setup because that's when the market has the most momentum. So for example, if I'm trading the London session, I probably won't put a trade on past 10.30 in the morning. I'll wait for the US open just because you want to, I don't like, I like to see them work. I don't like being offside. Everything has to line up and then I want to see it work. And if it doesn't, I don't want to sitting, be sitting chopping around in an offside position for too long. Just because, not because, you know, it's that bothers me that, but, just, but it's mental capital that you don't need to spend really. So save it for something else. For sure. I like that. I like that. I like how you describe mental capital. I think that's, that's a really valuable um yeah, term. it's just as important as your money, you know. You don't you don't want to get to the end of the day and be completely washed out, you know, because you've spent a load of mental capital you didn't need to, mm-hmm. you know, doing stupid stuff and waiting for it to work again. And, I, I, you know, sometimes people message me and they'll say, I'm in this position and, and what do you think of it? And I say, oh, um, well, it kind of depends where you enter. And, you know, they'll be like massively offside. And I... I think that that's probably the like you have to know where you're wrong and take your hit and your stop if it's not if you if your setup hasn't worked get out you know and I see far too many people you know endlessly patient with losers don't be it's just like it it will eat you up that's all you'll think about is your one trade that's not working and you want to be looking at all the good things that are setting up so Mm-hmm. Cut your losers. Great advice. Great advice. <laughs> what areas of your trading uh, still have some discretion? I think you may have touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to know how you sort of work discretion into trading a systematic approach. Um, and just to add on to that, is there any reason why you haven't uh, actually automated your strategy? Um, I have thought about automating it Um I'm now at a place where we have the people that would do that for us and there have been some discussions. Um, 
I I would say, you know, if I if I have six markets that all have the same setup, um, my risk rules say that I can only risk three percent of my account at any one time. So I then have to, you know, decide: am I going to split my risk between all of them, or which are the best ones I'm going to do? So my discretion, I suppose, would be refining what I want to trade. Um, but sometimes, you know, there isn't anything. Or lately, you know, there's less and less. So. Um, I would say that's the major discretion or I'll have a setup in something and if there's a big news event that will keep me out or I'll make me wait. So in that that's how my discretion mainly applies now. Okay, so just so I understand that clearly. So the, the main discretion is in actually selecting which markets you're going to trade and then the yeah. system is for how you actually enter, manage, and exit those trades, essentially. Exactly. Cool. Yes. Excellent. So what impact, if any, does fundamentals have on your analysis? Um, I avoid news events, if I can, which is quite hard because I'm half of a trading team now, which has been quite a revelation for me. And it hasn't all been you know, easy, especially as he's someone who trades very differently to me and there have been some you know quite good rows <laughs> very good rows and he's a bit of an you know he doesn't mind a news event or two whereas I avoid them like the plague um, so I would say I I'm aware of news events and fundamental and what's moving the market but I still take decisions purely technically and that's because I look at I look at sentiment a lot and I look at market positioning so to me it doesn't matter if every fundamental says we should be buying something if the whole world is long it's only going to come off and you want to be selling it so um, that's I would say I pay more attention to positioning um, and sentiment than I do to fundamentals. Those are my fundamentals. Okay, sure, sure. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the US markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So can you tell us a little bit about your, your scanning routine um, and how you actually select which markets you'd like to trade for you know, that week or that day? 
So yeah, like top down, I like the start of the month. I look at monthly charts, then I look at a weekly chart, and then I look at a daily chart. And um, and I select my trades without looking below a daily chart, and then I'll look for entries lower rather than. You know, I see people that will just like. I think this really bad habit, and I did it a little bit in the start. You know, you, you just like flick through lower time frame charts looking for something to trade. That's not. I just don't think that you know planning is everything, and that's not how you do it. So, well, unless that's your system, and you know, if you're a very short term trader, obviously, and people who only trade one market, that's different. But if you like me, if you have a number of them, then I think yeah, trade selection is quite important. So. I do spend a lot of time on it, even though it doesn't always work that well. <laughs> Sometimes you think, well, how did that happen? But uh, yeah, that's what you try to do. Yeah, you're always going to get those curveballs. So when you are yeah. looking at those higher time frames, though, what are some of the things you're actually looking for on the chart? I noticed you use, um, from just scrolling through your Twitter feed, that you use uh, Fibonacci levels quite a lot and moving averages. I do Fibonacci harmonic patterns and moving averages. So, so I'm looking for for levels where I think it reversed and I look for measured moves so each swing that a market makes I usually has a mathematical relationship to the previous one and to the next one so I look at those relationships I like to see symmetry equal measured moves or Fibonacci relationships between them so if the first swing higher in a market went x amount then the next one I like to see it either equal or 1.618 of the previous swing and I'll mark all those levels and see where they line up. So I'm looking for confluence. So I look, I would say that I look at Fibonacci retracements. I look at Fibonacci extensions. So that's extensions of correction, corrective swings. And I look at expansion. So relationship between the swings. So three things. So if I get three areas, three, three, those three things lining up at a level, that's confluence for me. So that's three things that all agree. And so that for me is a high probability area for either a reversal or if it continues, then you've got a support level that you can lean against or put your stop against. Okay. Now this might be a little bit of a tricky question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it anyway. With the Fibonacci levels, why do you think the market um, reacts at certain Fibonacci levels? Like why are Fibonacci levels relevant to the actual price? I think it's just mathematics. Okay. And, and if you think about it, like look what, even in FX, look what percentage of the market is now traded by computers. Well, some quant guy did not program his computer to be random. He programmed it using mathematical ratios or events. So I would say, you know, people who say, you know, technical analysis is rubbish and whatever, I would say it's actually becoming more and more relevant because these algorithms and these trend following systems, this is what they're using. And so that is why it works. And that is why it is maths based, which is really, that's what Fibonacci is. So yeah. Okay. Now that's that's an interesting point you raise, actually. Um, all right, Nicola. Well, let's move on to. I've got a few more uh, general trading questions here, so just kind of moving off your your systematic approach a little bit. 
Um, in your view, what qualities make for a good trader? Uh, people who plan and who are disciplined. Um, so I think um, people who can make a plan and stick to it. Um, the ability to make good decisions even when you feel uncomfortable. In other words, um, for me, that stick to your plan, um, I think, are the most important qualities. And I think it's really hard work. And I don't think that people should underestimate how hard work it is. All these adverts that tell you you can learn in an hour a day, you can learn in an hour a day and then you can make money, you know, five minutes a day before you go to your other job is rubbish. It's a lot of work. And, um, but it's very rewarding. So. Absolutely. And when, um, I had Tom Dante on the podcast, he, um, he did a great job of reminding us how competitive trading really is. And another quote, which is one of my favorites from a past interview is, um, too many people treat trading like a hobby. So I thought that was also, uh, really valid as well. Yeah, no, it's not a hobby. Um, actually, he is quite competitive. <laughs> he might be one of the most competitive people I know. <laughs> so, apart from the guy I have to trade with. <laughs> so, I would say that I'm not competitive though. And I don't think that that is important. Like you're not, you know, I see people get really depressed, you know, when other people, it looks like other people are doing really well and they had a bad day, you know, you're not competing with any of those other traders. Like it's just you and your profit and loss and you're only accountable to yourself. Like, I think it's really important that you don't compete with anybody except yourself. And the only thing you're trying to do is be better than you were yesterday or last week or last month. And, and so this idea that you're competing, you know, he, yeah, I know Tom, Tom, sees, Tom sees the market as very much him and them and they're on the other side and he's not going to let him damn well beat him, you know. Um, yeah, I suppose it, it, it is a good way to think of that. You know, when I sometimes think about it, like if I feel like I'm being squeezed in a position, if I've put a trade on and I see the market trying to squeeze people out and I don't want to get squeezed out, I want to stay on, then I... I sometimes get that feeling. I know how he feels, but um, at the end of the day, it is just you and your PL, and it, it's just about you getting better. And so, you know, compete with yourself, cooperate with others. Right, right. Okay, okay. I like it. Um, I guess we could maybe just reverse that question and you could reverse that answer, but what's the reason you believe why the majority of traders never succeed? I think that they are not able to overcome the mental obstacles about money and losing money and making money. And it's um, why are most people, why do most people who gamble losers? And yet there are some people who are professional gamblers who do really well. You know, you need a certain mindset. You need to be very disciplined. You need to not take it personally. It's, um, and I, I, I think it's much hard. That aspect of it is much harder than most people realize. So not everyone's cut out to do it. It's like the hardest, simple thing to do because it is simple. Ultimately, what we do, we're either buying or selling or we're sitting on our hands. But it's the hardest, simple thing there is to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that, that's, that's, you sum that up really nicely, actually. <laughs> Um, 
Okay, so are there any resources that you would recommend to other traders, either books, blogs, something that you find helpful on sort of an ongoing basis or maybe even any other traders that you follow on Twitter or anyone whose um, views and opinions that you value? Do you know, I I have a really long list of really awesome traders that I really do look up to. Every single one of them, I either follow on Twitter or I tweet their stuff if I see something good all the time. So, um, yeah, there are a number of technical analysts I've learned from, um, you know, right from classical chart patterns because I look at all of like classical chart patterns I don't think there's anyone better than Peter Brown but there's so many people so I would say yeah everyone that I like I try to retweet I think I don't know how honestly people learned to trade before the internet because you know I remember the first guy that taught me he used to ring up every day and get the prices and he used to plot them on a graph like they, they weren't even on a computer you know and I remember when I first started with stocks I would get the prices out of the newspaper and late so you know that's how I plotted how um, my trades were doing you know when I was a teenager so then now there's so much you can learn on the internet for almost nothing if you're determined to look for it so Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, now we're really lucky. Yeah, for sure. Now I want to ask you this question. I've been getting a few emails lately of people asking me this. So I thought I'd perhaps put it to some of the guests that I have on the podcast. What platform do you use to trade with? And perhaps just to add on that, what type of trader is that platform best suited to? Um, I chart. Okay. I chart at the moment on CQG which is really expensive. It's probably, it's very powerful tool. Um, and it's quite amazing because it doesn't even draw harmonic patterns, which is mostly what I look for. I draw them myself. Um, but it is very expensive. I think we pay over a thousand pounds a month for it. And so I use that, we use that for charting and then we use um, TTX Trader for our trade. So that's what I use as a professional. I really like um, I like Trading View charts from Saxo Bank. I really like um, uh, Pro Real Time charts for my UK stock trades, um, and they're quite inexpensive and good for anyone. And they have really good stock screeners as well, so you can screen for moving average crosses and. Um, stuff that's close to support and resistance and that kind of thing. So I like Pro Real Time as well. Um, before that, I originally learned on MT4, I think, like everyone else. So, and I really missed it when I left it because it was so simple. You could just do anything, I felt like. Okay. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure to include all of those links in the show notes. They'll be at uh, chatwithtraders.com forward slash 63. Now, Nicola, where can listeners go to find out more about you? Oh, <laughs> I don't tell people very much, but um, I'm on Twitter at Nick Trades, so at sign N-I-C-T-R-A-D-E-S. Um, yeah, and I usually post what I'm up to or looking at there. Excellent. So go follow Nicola on Twitter at Nick Trades. Um, now, one day I'm going to remember to ask this question before I hit the record button, but would you be open to answering any questions that listeners may have in the comments area of this interview? 
definitely I will remember to look in and I will answer any questions. Awesome. So guys listening, go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash 63, scroll to the bottom of the page and leave any questions in the comments area that you'd like Nicola to answer. Um, and Nicola, I'll give you the heads up on any questions that come through. So um, okay, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thank you very much for doing that. And yeah, it's been really awesome to speak with you. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's late evening for you, but um, it's been a great interview. Great. No, thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate your interest. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders.